Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Jamie Soleil. Jamie's an Olympic gold medalist from the 2002 Winter Olympics uh, in figure skating. She's a mother, a life coach, and an advocate for people with special needs. And, and I'll just say, this is an interview I've been so excited about because I was in Utah during the 2002 Olympics. And Jamie w- and, and her partner, they were kind of the darlings of the Olympics. There was some controversy. A, a lot of you kids watching this have no clue what happened. But there was a controversy with the judging and they were gold medalists, but there were other gold medalists, and it was kind of a hullabaloo. Um, but honestly, the reason I remember Jamie now 20 years later is she was such a darling of the Olympics that they started fashion trends. Um, everybody was wearing their berets and different things. Um, the pins that were popular during that time in the Olympics were part of the Utah culture for a few years afterwards. And so Jamie's part of my culture just because she was such a star during that time uh, in my life. So Jamie, I'm so excited to have you on today. Uh, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tyler, for having me. It's uh, That's a great story. Um, and you know, it feels like it was only just a few years ago, doesn't it? it? It really does. It's amazing how time flies. Yeah. Now we're parents and married and, and we're, we have children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. Well, and like I said in the intro, isn't it interesting that the kids watching this probably have no clue who you are. I mean, and and so while it's been quick for us, the world has changed dramatically uh, since that time, obviously. So, but before we get into Olympics and stuff, let's go back in time. Um, Tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up in Canada um, and and how you kind of got started in skating in the first place. Oh, that's a great question. So I was actually born in Calgary, Alberta, and my parents moved to Red Deer, which is central Alberta, Um, when I was about one years old and then uh, I just grew up skating because my dad and my brother played hockey so we always had these outdoor rinks in the neighborhoods around us and um, I would be out there just touching around with my my cheap old skates that I had and then when I was five years old my neighbor was actually going into the learn to skate program and so I told my mom I wanted to join it as well and so she said sure you know it's a great activity for kids and I enjoyed skating and And then from there, it was two years that I was in that program and I passed all my badges. And that's when I decided to um, take private lessons. So I was seven years old and I would say before 10 years old, I knew that this was what I really wanted to do. And uh, it was between 10 and 12 was when it got really competitive for me in singles. Uh, I started out as a single skater. I didn't start pairs until I was 12. Hmm. So one of the interesting things about figure skating, and and maybe gymnastics would fall under this category as well, but if you want to be competitive, it happens at a very, very young age. Um, And so your childhood was very different from even other (laughs) professional athletes who maybe got really good in high school and later. Um, Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that you had to sacrifice when you were just, I mean, really a young kid? That's another good question. Um, And it's funny, I... I, I get asked that for certain interviews because we, uh, again, we're talking about childhood and the commitments that we made. 
I always say that it, I, I didn't feel that it was a sacrifice because I really made a decision for what I, what I loved. Mm-hmm. I was very passionate about skating and I, I always felt free on the ice and I felt like it was my platform to express myself. I had so much fun out there. So I never really saw not being able to go to uh, sleepovers and parties and school dances and stay out late at night um, as a sacrifice. Uh, I know that all of my friends thought it was because that was their life. And, um, you know, yeah, I missed out on a lot of the fun stuff that everybody at school got to do. But I loved what I was doing so much that it wasn't, I didn't see it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I was just so into uh, becoming the best skater that I could at a very young age. And I loved uh, training and I loved competing. So I always tell everybody that when you find something that you absolutely love and you're passionate about it, it's, it's really about the decision and your commitment towards it and your dedication. It's not, not sacrificing. Right. Now, th- there is a balance. And one of the things that's been interesting in having both professional athletes and Hollywood stars on this show is we've seen that, you know, a lot of people accomplish a lot under the age of 20. And then the rest of their life is, you know, living in the past or, you know, struggling to, to make things happen moving forward. Those who have been successful and certainly those who we've had on the show took those things that they had when they were kids, you know, that work ethic, the sacrifice that they made and have continued to apply that as adults. And so they're continuing to set big goals and and accomplish um, their dreams. Even now, what of those things that you did as a kid, what are some of those habits that maybe you established even as a, as a child that are really paying dividends for you now? Oh, um, I would say the first one, um, again, I, I kind of talked about it in the last question, but I would say the first thing that um, I would, I, I consistently do is when I really am passionate about something, I make a decision for it because I know right away that, um, you know, it's important to have a vision and then you decide for it and you decide for it every day when it's not convenient, you decide for it when it's not comfortable. And then from there, you just take the action steps and you, you learn to overcome fear. So one thing that I really feel that I, I still have today that I had as a kid is that that ability to speak to fear. Cause I always tell everybody fear is going to be a constant companion through your whole life. And the more successful that you get, the louder it talks even sometimes. So I'm really good at talking to it when I'm really doing something I love. Um, obviously, when there's fear around things that aren't positive, uh, then you know that's your gut telling you not to do that. But um, when I'm doing speaking engagements today, I know that that's, you know, I'm on my growing edge and I'm doing things that are a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. It'll get easier and easier as I go. Um, and then the other thing would be commitment. I'm very committed, I'm very loyal. Uh, I was as a kid, and um, I would say those are more two more traits that I, I seem to uh, have today that helps me keep going in the direction of my dreams. Right. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about right before the Olympics. So you were competing at a very, very high level from really 10, 11, 12 on up. And so your experience going, you know, a lot of the kids watching this are, are in high school and, and your high school experience was very different than theirs because you were competing in world championships and, and moving from individual to then pair skating and, and doing some of that. Um, what were some of the highlights pre-Olympics? Like what were some of the, the milestones that you reached in those few years before the Olympics came? Are you talking about 2002 Olympics? Yes. 
Okay, so my first highlight would have been 1994 Olympics. I was, I went to that, those Olympics with my first partner and um, we were the third Canadian team to go. So we really had no pressure. We were just happy to be there right. <laughs> as Canadians okay. are. And uh, that was a huge highlight for me. Um, that was sort of my, uh, you know, my taste for the Olympics. And, and I remember saying after I got home to my mom, I want to go back and I want to be on the podium, you know, because I was just so hungry to have that top success that I watched uh, when I was there. And I was, Oksana Bayul and I were the youngest Olympians at that Olympics. It was really special for me. I was only 16 years old. Um, and then, of course, David and I, my second partner, we won Worlds in Vancouver, so on right. Canadian soil, which was really special for us. I would say those are probably two of my big highlights before Salt Lake City. Uh, winning, winning Worlds in uh, Vancouver in 2001 was really special. We had lots of family and friends there, and it was just like so electric to, um, you know, it can be very nerve-wracking stepping on the ice in, in your home country but it, i i embraced it i was like okay i'm at home i'm comfortable like tonight's our night so yeah those would be my two highlights that uh, yeah. that stuck up to me now with the world championships if if i remember right that was the year before the olympics right in yeah. 2001 yeah. so yeah. canada hadn't had a ton of success in figure skating up until that olympics did you feel a ton of pressure coming off worlds and then going into the olympics what was that like yeah, so we, Canada hadn't won a, a medal in pairs figure skating in 60 years, I believe. So, and we knew that, but it really wasn't like we were sitting on that going, oh, we we're going to put more pressure on ourselves. We had enough mm -hmm. pressure as it was because David and I knew that at that point we, we had won worlds, we had beaten the Russians, we've beaten the Chinese, we're capable of, of beating these guys. Mm -hmm. um, so we knew it was a matter of just going out and, and skating our absolute best. And so... We did everything and some training for that whole year before. I mean, we even, it was, everything was so calculated. Like we, it, we even, uh, you know, our diet was very specific. We were very careful. Um, the people who we hung out with, we chose because it was all about like, you know, energy, time management, all this stuff is so, wow. uh, so uh, crucial when you're dealing with stress. Mm -hmm. and high level performance and uh, i know people think that's crazy and it's like well no we don't want to be around negative people because that's super draining right or toxic people right. um you know and it was we we were training very specifically it was uh you know it was more about quality than quantity at that point too people thought we'd be on the ice for you know six hours a day i said no it was actually maybe two and then we spent an hour to two hours off ice but then we did a lot of mental imagery work and mm -hmm. stuff like that so um, yeah, um, I'm forgetting your question already. <laughs> well, you, you got, you got to it. I just asked about the pressure, but you bring up a, yeah. a really good point here with the visualization. This is something that we've oh. seen with a lot of athletes, the importance of, yes. you know, being able to visualize success and, and going yes. through mental, um, pictures and things like that. Can you talk about that a little more? Just the, the role that that played for you in preparing for the Olympics and, and other things in your life. You know, it's, it's imperative. Um, I actually, it, it caught me uh, at Worlds in, I believe it was 2000. We had a, a not a great skate at all. And I, I realized at that point, I messed up like three of my jumps. And I realized at that point that I couldn't see myself executing. When I would close my eyes, I couldn't see myself performing perfectly. 
So I knew that I needed to spend the next two years working on that leading up to the Olympics. So when I got to the Olympics, I literally could close my eyes. I could see it. I could feel it. I could taste it. I could smell it. I could hear it. I five-sensorized it. So important. Um, I, I even visualized standing. I'm getting goosebumps right now. I visualized standing on the podium and seeing the Canadian flag come down in the middle, which is first. And I, I remember like just visualizing myself with a big smile on my face and getting the medal put around my neck and singing Oh Canada with everybody back home. Like it was so, so powerful. And it's interesting now because being a coach um, and, and helping individuals with visioning, we talk about that as well and the power of that. And a lot of my clients that work on mental imagery feel that they actually start um, it changes when you, when you can see yourself actually executing, you're not only telling the universe that you're serious about these results, but you actually put yourself in that place of achieving it. Um, it's, it's just, it's so powerful. I, I think even students visualizing themselves, um, you know, you could start even with just your final exams and, and seeing yourself walking out of the room, like feeling elated and so proud of yourself because you just nailed your exams like that's a good start you know and then you see yourself in the future where do you want to be what do you want to be a doctor do you want to be an athlete do you want to be whatever you want to be right see it really put yourself in that position and like i said five sensorizing it is is also really important yeah well and i think one of the cool things about that so during the olympics i i was living in Utah, and I wanted to go to the Olympics, but tickets are, are obviously really expensive, and the most expensive are figure skating, and so, you know, there was no way I was going to see you compete live, but what I was able to do is after the, the day's events, they would have the ceremony in the evening, and a, a band would come in and play, and in fact, my first, my first rock concert ever was Bare Naked Ladies, and <laughs> And, and so they're, who's Canadian, and then they have the, the podium. And for me, just as a casual observer, that was one of the coolest things of the Olympics because you saw people living that moment that they had visualized for all those years. And for me, that was real visceral. I felt like I got to share that experience with the, the people on the podium. So it was really yeah. cool. It was a really neat moment. We had no idea what was happening when we were brought to that stage. We knew the bare naked ladies were there and um, and you know, we, we know them. So it was even mm -hmm. more special for us to share the stage with them for a moment. But we thought they're just going to call us out and kind of say, whatever. and it was like, no, Jamie here, you play the guitar. I'm going play the guitar. I don't know how to play the guitar, but we right. just had fun so much. And Salt Lake city was like epic. Like they were just such a embracing, loving community. We felt so at home there and, uh, the Americans really adopted us as their own, which was so cool. <laughs> Um, we felt, we felt very special yeah. and um, yeah, like we, we had a, it was the best time. Like, honestly, even though the result, the first night wasn't what we wanted, um, the experience that we got afterwards, even and through the Olympics, but even afterwards would never have happened. If we hadn't gone through that. So we just decided after the whole controversy or the first night after we skated, we just made a decision that we were going to take the high road and just be really proud and and just go with the flow and so right. we had so much fun with all you americans <laughs> right well and obviously the experience was different for those of us who stayed here and weren't just doing the olympics and going home but you really did change the culture for you know for that moment here in utah with whether it be fashion things that you were doing or 
you know, it, it was crazy how, because you're not American, but you had such an impact on those games where we did kind of take you as one of our own. And we're like, we're just as proud of you as we were of our own athletes. So it was a lot of fun for us. Awesome. Um, so let's, let's move past the Olympics now. You, you've continued to do some incredible things in addition to being a mother, which I think is, is critical. You know, that, that's so amazing. But talk to us about what you're doing now with your coaching and how you're working with corporations and other groups now to help them live their dreams. Yeah, so, um, you know, it was an interesting journey how I got here as a coach. Um, I retired from professional skating. David and I actually toured for about 12 years with Stars mm -hmm. on Ice. And, uh, and then I retired. Um, I got remarried and we decided that we wanted to have another child. So um, I just sort of sat back and I thought, I'm just going to enjoy my life and, you know, enjoy the fruits of my labor. And, um, and that was fine for about three, four years. And then um, because I, I'm sitting here waking up every day going, like, I've accomplished a dream. I've got more than I've ever thought I would have in my life, but I was kind of feeling a little um, irritable and like in some ways I'm grateful. Like I just was kind of ashamed of how I was thinking or feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And then I realized that, you know what, this, this is not normal for me. So I reached out for some help and I discovered within minutes that I'd stopped dreaming. And my whole life leading up to, to getting remarried or my retirement was created by design. I had, I had totally mapped out my life and I knew where I was going, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to achieve, um, where I wanted to go, everything. And so I went, yep, dreaming is important. And when I say dreaming, it's just having a vision. So what I did was I wrote down help people and I didn't really understand you know, what that looked like for the first while. But then I realized when I was at a vision workshop, I just had this electricity go through me and I went, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, I enjoy public speaking. I enjoy, um, you know, I get asked to come in and do a keynote at a certain events. Um, but I also noticed that throughout my life, something that was, uh, that I had been doing was that I had been, a motivator. I always gone up to people when they're struggling without being told to support them and, and encourage them and, and maybe even just be a light for them. And uh, so I looked back at that and I thought, I've been doing this my whole life. So of course I should do this. And, um, you know, so then I, I got certified uh, with Life Mastery and uh, which was a great start. And then I've now partnered with a group out of Calgary called Envision Group. And we're doing executive coaching and workshops with companies that around the world actually it is so much fun it totally lights me up I love being able to empower people the way um, I was also empowered when I was a little girl looking up to people and 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 it's interesting to to be in the work that I'm in because a lot of people they have thoughts in their head of what they want to do but we always say that thoughts in our heads are just wishes when we get it on paper it becomes a plan and then from that plan, we can talk about action steps. And that, that to me is really powerful, getting people to write a vision and uh, start writing out the action steps of how you're going to get there and how to, how to you know, shorten the gap, right? You're here and you want to be here. What are we going to do to get there? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's fun. It's so much fun for me. And um, honestly, it, it just, every day I feel so blessed and grateful that I can give back to people too in this way and working with special Olympic athletes is also something that I'm really passionate about. 
Um, I've been a part of that movement for seven years now. And uh, Special Olympic athletes, I highly recommend everybody just going to one event. You will be hooked. These yeah. athletes brought me back to when I started skating and why I started skating. They just have so much love and appreciation for what they do and also each other. And the camaraderie that they have is wonderful and so beautiful to watch. And it's just addictive. It's <laughs> so addictive. So yeah, those are the two things that I'm, I'm passionate about. And of course, I'm a mom of two children, a 12-year-old and a seven-year-old. So I'm busy. Yeah, yes, you are. Well, we appreciate you coming on and spending a few minutes with us today. Your, your life is inspiring, but I, the part I love most is that you're, you're continuing to set big goals. You're continuing to inspire and motivate others. So I commend you for making it a lifelong pursuit, not just something that you are one and done. It, it's incredible what you've been able to accomplish. Thank you so much, Tyler. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to virtual assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.